0: Did you know that you can download a map that gives you the GPS coordinates for 5,956 churches in the state of Arkansas? Seems like a lot, doesn't it? You can actually see a list of these churches by a city. It takes a while to scroll down to the P's, but when you look at the list of Paragord, you find a couple of very interesting things. First of all, and literally, first of all, the first church listed for Paragold is All Saints Episcopal Church. I looked a little deeper into this. I assumed that the churches were listed in order of best potluck. That's not it. My next guess was they were using some sort of clergy rating system to determine which one to list first. And surprisingly, that wasn't it either. Apparently, the order was done alphabetically. And I thank God that there is no Aaron A. Aronson House of Worship. (laughs) Now, regardless of why we are number one, it's good to be recognized. As you read this list, there's another interesting thing that will pop out to you. It's pretty small. As a matter of fact, the church right across the street is not on that list. And that church across the street has been there as long as I've been alive, I think. I found that a few churches that I drive past regularly in Paragould weren't on that list. So this tells me something. If that many churches are missing from Perigold alone, then the number 5,956 is a significant underestimate. We may be looking at something closer to 7,000 churches in Arkansas. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. That purpose that Paul is speaking of is proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Christ on the cross. And I would like to think, That all of these 7,000 or so churches across the state have read this plea from Paul to the church in Corinth and they have taken it to heart. I would like to think that they are all sharing the good news this morning of God's unending and undeserved grace that He poured out to us from the cross the moment that we deserved His grace the least. I would like to think that. But we all know that probably isn't true. This week we saw firsthand the hurt and damage that can be done by those who refuse to extend the same grace to others that God has extended to them. Every day in this country, in this world, people are told that they are undeserving of God's love. They are told that they are not welcome in the kingdom of heaven. They are rejected ridiculed, reviled, and abused. Sadly, many of them may never walk through the doors of another church because they believe that this is the message of the universal church. But it isn't. Now, I cannot imagine a more beautiful and powerful and moving way to connect with each other, with our ancestors, and with Christ than the liturgy of the Holy Eucharist. That is not the reason I was called here. I'm not here to recite creeds or colics. I'm not here to celebrate the Eucharist. Just as Paul told those in Corinth, I am not here to baptize. I am not here to preach, but don't leave yet. You're still stuck with me for a few more minutes. I'm not here to preside over weddings and funerals. I am here for one simple reason. I believe that something amazing happened on that cross. And I believe that what happened there is the greatest news that any one of us could ever hear. And because I believe this, that God's grace and mercy for us is greater than we could ever deserve, I can't shut up about it. If it takes me standing in this pulpit to share that news, then that's what I'm going to do. If it takes praying the words that have been handed down to us from centuries ago so that we can live out that grace of God in our daily lives, then that is what I'm going to do. If it takes celebrating the Eucharist to remind us of the gift that was given to us, if it takes celebrating the Eucharist to relive every Sunday that ultimate sacrifice, then that is what I'm going to do. If it takes me standing here in Paragold, Arkansas, from now until my last breath, just to tell everyone that will listen that Christ loves them so much that He would suffer death again and again with every breaking of the bread and every pouring of the wine, then that is what I will do. If someone needs to hear this every time I step into the pulpit then I will say it every time. You are the beloved sons and daughters of God. You have died and risen with Christ, and no one can take that away from you. You don't need any preacher's permission to be the part of the body of the Christ, of this one holy and universal church. Christ made you a part of this body when he suffered death, was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That is what I will stand up here and preach, week after week. That is what I will preach. But if I'm being honest, that is not what I will live. I would do anything to make those who are brokenhearted and rejected know the good news of the cross. My mission is to make them all realize that they are a part of this life-giving body of Christ. But I'll fall short. Sometimes I fall way short. Despite all the urgings of Paul and John and all the writers in the New Testament and countless saints who have come before me, even in spite of the commands of Jesus himself, I still find myself being selfish with the unbounded grace that has been given to me. You see, there are those who use their religious authority to reject others. There are those who choose to interpret scripture for the sole purpose of trying to deny others a place in God's kingdom. There are those who will use the name of Christ to justify rejecting their own children. Forcing them to live and die without knowing the love of the people that need to love them the most. I cannot tell you the lengths that I, have, that I will go through just... So that I can distance myself from the people that do this stuff. If their words or actions in the name of the religion have left someone brokenhearted, then I want nothing to do with them. I honestly don't want anybody thinking that I have anything in common with them. I certainly don't want them thinking that the church that I represent has anything to do with the church that they represent. But what if it does? What if they are as much a part of the body of Christ in spite of their faults as I am about part of the body of Christ in spite of my own faults? Now, if I have a hard time extending grace, imagine how difficult it must be for the targets of their animosity. See, in 2008, churches, religious groups, and some overrated chicken restaurants spent more than $65 million dollars just to prevent same-sex couples in California from being married. Those same groups didn't bat an eye when Jessica and I got married. Yesterday, I used a very clean public restroom at Goods. I would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> and no one cared when I walked through that door. For years, though, hateful politicians around the country and right here in Arkansas have used baseless attacks to try and pass laws aimed at restricting God's transgender children from simply going to the restroom. This has led to a rise in hate crimes and bullying nationwide. When other people find out that I'm an ordained minister, they're surprised for a lot of reasons. But they've never been astonished that the Episcopal Church would have the audacity to ordain a male priest. This isn't true for the talented women who are leading churches at this very moment around our diocese and around the world. I know some black seminarians who are learning about God's grace in buildings that were built with the blood and toil of slave labor. They are still subjected to institutionalized racism and a rise in white nationalism across our country. That is a pain that I will never fully understand. And here I am, a straight white male, unable to find the grace to forgive. Maybe that's the foolishness of the cross. Regardless of your race, gender, or sexual orientation, God doesn't need any man's permission to welcome you with outstretched arms. And if you are the ones who have bullied or persecuted these people, God doesn't need my permission to welcome you without stretched arms. And this might even be more foolish and unbelievable. I may not be able to find the grace to forgive right now. And I would dare not be so arrogant to tell the victims of persecution when they should be ready to forgive. And even though we may fall short of the grace of God, He still died for us on the cross And he still welcomes us with outstretched arms. For us and for our salvation, Jesus Christ came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And that is good news for every single one of us. Amen.